Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. And we are thrilled, fortunate, uh, in awe to be joined by the brilliant, the talented, the hilarious Greg Edwards. Hey, 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 fellas. Thanks for having me, man. It's good hey, to be back. It's great Thank to have you, you back. Thank you for stopping by, man. It's always good to oh, see yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Miles, hold up. First and foremost, let me see that hair, man. Let me see that head. Come on, take that top off. Oh, come on, man. You got a nice, you got a nice got a dome, dome piece. I got a good dome. Yeah, man. Yeah, great shaped head. You got that Buddha, Buddha dome. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, if I ever, you know, need to flee the law, I will just put an orange robe on and go to Southeast Asia. <laughs> it's a wrap. Sorry. Bye, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's a wrap. You tell it. You good yeah, to go. Just give me my beads and shit. I'm good. You should, you know, you could be a dope DJ. Just put the robe on. <laughs> yeah. I thought about that as like a, as a bit. Like and just yeah. wear like white on white Air Forces and stuff. And they're like, yo, he's got a he's on a wave. <laughs> <laughs> you can make three million dollars in like two months. Yeah, watch. I'm, okay, I'm sure. look. Easy. TikTok experiment. I'm a the funky monk. Uh yeah. oh, like, there yo, you go. this guy's lit. He smokes blunts <laughs> and, just, and gives wisdom like sage like advice. Nah, you can't I talk. Mean, you just gotta do it most deaf style and write everything down. Oh shit, right. Shout out <laughs> Yasin Bay. That's, that's the way to do it. He doesn't talk, talk he just writes yeah. things down now? Well, he used to do, he did that for like a year. He just wrote everything down. Yeah. I guess, you know, cool. I guess that cocaine was really good that year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't open my mouth. It starts moving weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just clench my teeth and write. <laughs> Brent, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? I mean, there's, let's see, I, I, let me see. I mean, because sometimes it's just like addresses and that's kind of boring, you know, just like <laughs> looking up addresses. Okay, well, here's something that I looked up. Like, this is probably mo one of the most recent non, kind of just, I don't know, non-addresses, I guess, is um, Dave Cause, 90210. Okay. So um, I had seen this already in the past, but I was thinking about it recently. And you guys probably don't know who Dave Cause is, or do you? No. Dave Cause is a smooth jazz saxophonist, okay. and <laughs> his hit track is called You Make Me Smile or something like that. Something about smile. I think it's You uh -huh. Make Me Smile. And there's an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 where they, on Kelly's 21st birthday, I didn't watch the show, but I somebody brought this to my attention, and it's so funny. They go to this Dave Cause concert for her birthday. <laughs> And these kids are 20, you know, they're supposed to be 21, right? Whatever. Oh, and they're going to the smooth jazz concert. Now, look, when I was in high school, I liked smooth jazz right. myself, but I was an anomaly, you know? Right. They're yeah. all into it, including Brian Austin Green's character, and, you know, who was, I think, probably into hip hop at the time. But they're all at this concert, yep. and Dave causes, it's, first of all, he's wearing these huge puffed out pants. <laughs> they look like hammer pants. And he's wearing this vest. He looks kind of like a genie, or almost. Uh, and a smooth jazz genie and he's playing the saxophone and kind of doing these funny kind of dance moves as he's playing the saxophone and it's just funny to see all these young people at this show as if they would be into this and you know and right. they're all in their early 20s and they're all kind of you know they're nodding their head to it and they're into it and it just 
I, I'm just wondering who, which, which producer was a smooth jazz fan and right. thought this was be an accurate thing for kids to go to is to go. Oh, to this is gratuitous. Fan. I'm just watching this scene on mute and like, it's like one of those things where like in a movie where they somehow just, just brute force inserted like a music performance. You're like, this is fucking up the whole right. flow of the film right now. <laughs> right. But apparently y'all signed some fucked up contract, which made you had someone had to sing a ballad, right? A ballad right now. But it's like a two-minute clip, and yeah. they're just showing like the people on all the instruments jamming, yeah, motherfuckers yeah, yeah. slapping on bass, and then like yeah, the young kids are like, "Man, this is that sound." Right. <laughs> it's so funny because they would never be at that show. I mean, and you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, like I said, I, I I'm in a smooth jazz. I was always in a smooth jazz, but that's that's you know, these kids are not. They weren't like me, you know. Right. Brian Austin Green, I will give him credit. He does look a little bit checked out. No, no, look at him. He he gets back into it though. Oh, he, he seems checked out at first, oh. and then he's then he starts. Then he he's right back. I think he got inspired or something for a second, and his mind oh, drifted. Exactly. But then he got gets back, oh, and he's yeah. just like, right. oh yeah. The only one he does maybe seem not as into it is Dylan. Is right. he's maybe not into it, and then Jason Priestley's kind of looking at Kelly, looking at her, thinking, so do you like this or <laughs> like? <laughs> Yo, she's licking her lips, looking at the yeah. stage. I mean, it's fucking hot. So it's one the of the cause. producers must have been friends with Dave Cause or something. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's such a that's such a thing that happens in shows about teenagers that are clearly written by, you know, people in their 40s. They, right. Their taste in culture is always very strange. I mean, uh, imagine, yeah. though, an alternate reality where smooth jazz was the dominant, most popular... <laughs> kind of music you know in right you know what i mean for for young people yeah right. that'd be interesting imagine if that was only a young person's thing in fact you know be a lot less imagine fights if... in high school you know yeah right, that's right. <laughs> we're like oh you bumping that new pat Metheny album <laughs> yeah maybe different kind of fights yeah you know yeah yeah uh much more expressive i yeah. do wonder if dylan was because dylan was you know in his late 30s playing a you know 19 a year old what yeah. Like, was he pretending, was he the only one who was checked out because he was, like, Secret aware idea. of that and, like, yeah, didn't <laughs> want people to, like, couldn't couldn't be too into it or else it would, like, reveal right. his 45-year-old heart? <laughs> he's kind of trying to be, like, a narc, but, right. I mean, he's, he's not, or he is a narc and he's trying to not reveal that he's a narc, Right, you know? right, right, right. I, yeah. I mean, within the world of... Uh, of the show or whatever. So he's, he's over there kind of just maybe like really restraining himself from like really grooving to it, you know? Right. And, but he's like, if I get into this too much, I'm going to seem too young. Yeah. Because <laughs> still cool. out here doing it. So, yeah, no, I thought, so that was something, I mean, I'd seen that already, but I was thinking about it recently and I thought, what's up with that? I want to watch that clip again. I want to see, or I want to know also what has, and does anybody talk about this too? Does anyone, I was wondering if anybody was noticed that and thought that was weird, you know? No. Right. Cause like you look at the, like on the YouTube video of it, there's two comments. One is someone just being like talking about the storyline from 90210. <laughs> um, and then another person says, wow, Dave plays alto saxophone, but out comes a nice soprano saxophone. Ha ha ha. Um, and those <laughs> are the two things that people I think they're wrong about that though, because I was looking, I think I saw that comment too about this alto. It looks like an alto. It looks like an alto, yeah. I I was looking at that too. I said that that's not a soprano. 
It's, a, it's much bigger, but hey, you know what? Whatever. And I don't. I have a feeling that when you have a, a band playing as themselves, the musician will probably bring his own instrument because it's like a very fancy silver saxophone. Right. Oh, Dave. That's so. what Kenny G plays, right? He plays soprano saxophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like other examples where the age of the producers was like kind of sublimated onto the young characters and, and i was just and incongruous with like what yeah the, completely yeah, yeah. like the fact that the like five to nine year olds in full house were really into the beach boys uh and like <laughs> it was clearly just like a john yeah, stamos and john the producers Stam- right. like uh pipe dream yeah yeah, what are some other examples of that? I'm just, I wonder what the yeah, that's kind of a funny thing to that's a funny subject, you know? Like yeah. people being like into out, stuff yeah. that they shouldn't be into. Yeah. You know, or I feel that you like wouldn't... early seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some of the way that students talk, they talk like they're from the seventies suddenly. And I know it's like slightly campy, but this sounds like some old white dude just wrote all of this dialogue for this young teen girl. But it seems like the slang was probably the t- like the thing that I most like tune into. I'm like, yo, nobody talks like that that age, right? But I don't know. Also, you know, there was a show I never watched. This show It was kind of after my time, but my brother, my little brothers, watched a show on Nickelodeon called Hey Arnold, mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it was a you know show for kids, I guess. But there was jazz in that. I think smooth jazz, in fact. I think there's smooth jazz in that too. I think like, people are gonna like in the way that a Marlon Brando character. Uh, not not the one from The Godfather is like a lesser known mob movie, but he invented the way that mobsters dressed. Like, there's going to be a future world where kids all listen to that because they think that that's what kids used to listen to, even though it was completely made up for this. <laughs> right by like forty something uh, TV producers in the early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you think is overrated, Caitlin? Well, speaking of tourism. And going to places with beaches, I think going to the beach is overrated. Yeah. There, I said it. <laughs> Wait, why? Damn. Because of what? Burn. I just, I don't know. It's it's hot. <laughs> and it's sandy. You get sand everywhere. There's, like, nothing fun to do. The water is always cold. I always, like, if, if even if it's not cold... The salt water is like irritating to my skin. You sound yeah. like someone who's going down a list of things to pivot to. Like when you're like, come on, let's go to the beach. You're like, ah, it's sandy. It's like, no, nah, this part is really nice. Yeah, but the water's cold. No, the water's actually really great. Right now. Yeah, but then once you're in, it's like the salt. I'm like, okay, well, you don't want to go. It's Bad fine. You don't want to go. Me, um, sharks, just, maybe. <laughs> the sharks, there's seaweed. You might yeah. get bit by a crab. There's this. You know what those ferocious teeth? <laughs> I just yeah, I've never had like a great time at the beach. I've had oh, I hate like, to hear that. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just going with the wrong people. Maybe we're bringing the wrong things. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't enjoy myself at the beach. Yeah, well, that's you know. I think I, I definitely don't go to the beach as much like locally. Like if I'm going other parts of California, like I'll hit the beach. But I've gotten so used to the LA beaches, I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't even. I don't. I'm like spoiled from mm-hmm. being around this part of the Pacific too long. It's a terrible thing to say, but that's just how I feel. But it's funny because Her Majesty, whenever we go somewhere, even up the coast remotely, I'm like, yeah, let's go to the beach. She's like, what the fuck? You, you don't, I'm like, I don't like the beaches near me. I like the concept, though, especially when it's warm. Right. 
Gwyneth Paltrow just uh, had a quote that I read somewhere. About a beach? Yeah, it was like very, I am always happiest by the sea. Uh, Just the exact opposite, uh, which I think is... That's a good indicator, I guess. I'm always happiest by, in, or on the sea. And then she used that to uh, tease her... Uh, oh, yeah, her cruise, right? Her cruise line, baby. Wait right. a minute. Yeah, there's a goop cruise. Stop it. It's called like goop at sea or some shit. Yeah, Stop yo, this is kind now. of a... Bis- oh, my God. You and Jamie got to go on this and just tell us what the fuck. Okay. It's like a fucked up <laughs> Titanic. Goop at sea. Ew, I don't. Okay, I'll go on yeah. it. Actually, no, that sounds like it. that sounds like you're actually putting your like you're actually putting yourself in harm's way. Like on paper, goop at sea doesn't end well for fucking anyone involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been happiest <laughs> by on or in the sea. <laughs> we talked about that one like <laughs> fucking thing she tried to have in like the UK, and everyone's like, "Yo, she's scamming us!" Right uh, when they had like a goop conference and shit. So, yeah. A sea Gwyneth? Yeah. Maybe that's sea. a pass. What about under the sea? Like in yeah. Little Mermaid? Is she happy I've always under been the happiest sea? at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> With uh, the other bottom feeders. <laughs> anyways, I, I am closer to your uh, take on, on the sea than Gwyneth's. Uh, I think you're I think you're what right. You t- on. I thought you're Mr. Ocean City. Ocean City. I go I go to Ocean City for the boards, man. For the pizza. <laughs> I'll go for the beach. The fucking fuck this for the herbs. <laughs> I okay. mean, I actually like I I like an Atlantic Ocean beach better than a Pacific Ocean beach because wow. the ocean's warm and dirty. Like me, I don't know. I just <laughs> <laughs> I just feel uh, more at home there. And like in, in, with, living in L.A., like I every time I go to the beach, I feel like I should be wearing a sweater and like a. Uh, knit cap. When are y'all going so to the beach? You know it does get warm. You guys are always describing like going to the beach in November or some shit. No, well, I know there's the beach. it has to burn off in the like you know we get the June gloom and shit, but there's right. You got to pick your spots. Shit, I've been get. in like August and the water is still freezing. <laughs> yeah, the water, the right. Pacific Ocean is underrated. Like just fucking so much colder than the uh, Atlantic. I didn't realize that until. Yeah, I uh, got out here and started not going to the beach at all. <laughs> started um, my amateur oceanography. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is underrated? I think that is underrated. This is, I'm just going to say what I wrote down, but as I'm about to say it and looking at it on my computer screen, this is probably very correctly rated. But a thing that I very, I very much liked is uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was at Costco. And I bought from Costco for approximately $100 an entire leg of uh, jamon de serrano. Comes with a stand, comes with a knife. Yep. And in a crate. Um, in a cr- uh, yeah, yeah. It's got a crate with a handle. Yep. <laughs> and was sort of loosely uh, running kind of like a, uh, we'll call it quasi to illegal uh, tapas bar for some vaccinated folks. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Andrew, you didn't even invite me. You should come by, honestly. I'm more mad yeah. about that. I'm like, I'm coughing everywhere. Like, <laughs> come <laughs> me out some of that jamon real quick. Uh, but yeah, I got I got pretty good at slicing, slicing the jamon, eat, you know, a lot of olives, a lot of just uh, pan con tomate. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the Spanish olives with the anchovies inside? I uh, 
Yes, I will not. Look, baby, I, invite I, me over. We could complete the whole party, baby. I come with the Spanish goods. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I got that uh, at a that um, black-owned cheese shop in Silver Lake, and I was definitely like upsold on them because I think they were unconscionably expensive. Per, oh, really? Like, yeah, it was a oh. very expensive jar hey, of I, olives. I got it. Look. I got a plug for those olives too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you got a good. guy, that's oh, gonna help. Oh, I got a guy. It's a, it's a, actually a, a Spaniard friend of mine. But, <laughs> but that's how I found out about that Costco deal because my mom had one like years mm-hmm. ago at her house. I said, "What the fuck are you doing, fool?" Like mm-hmm. yeah, the doctor said, you have high blood. You can't be eating a whole leg of salt meat. Bring that mm-hmm. over here. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, man, give me, let me cut a little slices off of there. But yeah, I. But then I realized they have this deal there that is just. Ridic, it almost seems like a challenge of like, can yeah. you eat this entire pig's leg? Yeah, yeah. I just googled Hamon wild. de Serrano and uh, the best price you're getting anywhere on uh, the internet is three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's wild. I don't know what kind of scale or kickback Costco has going with Spain. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is. It has like all these like fucking stamps is huge in Spain, yeah. man. Yeah, Buffett. stickers on it. it. It you know, I I don't I don't understand how it works, but it appears to be a you know a a stamped and bonded Hamon de Serrano. So I don't know right. what the quality variation is in that to get that price down to what it is. It comes with a knife. Yeah, right. It's not like <laughs> like, un- like untaxed cigarettes that the mob sells. <laughs> right, yeah, like, this shit is for real. I don't authentic. know what it. I don't know. Yeah, as far Duties as these have been tell. paid. <laughs> yeah, I hope. Maybe was not, this just like a temporary thing where they're like, we just the this shipment was like, I don't think it's year round, is it? I feel like it's a certain time of year that it happened. This, this was this was around Easter, so I assume. Oh right, that's when that's when the it's Hamon time. It's Hamon time. Okay. Come on, stop! Come yeah. on, come on, talk. Come on, Yeah. Well, look, I, I love a, I, I love a good come uh, on Serrano. So yeah. I don't know if this is, uh, yeah. So is that underrated or anyway? It's fucking the best. I it thought is, you yeah. were gonna say I was at Costco and I was like, when you ate that whole rotisserie chicken that you were talking about on the internet. No, I just, I just ate the legs off the, that rotisserie chicken. Yeah, th- that's the <laughs> other thing I've been doing is I, I've been trying to help out with this uh, mutual aid group that does stuff in Skid Row. And one thing that uh, one thing that I was doing that week was picking up water for, for Skid Row. But because I was at Costco, I was like, so I got a pallet of nine flats of water and one rotisserie <laughs> chicken and nothing else. <laughs> I truly am curious what the employees at Costco think I'm up to. Because... <laughs> right. right. I mean, hamon and the uh, and yeah. the rotisserie chicken will make you thirsty. What's your secret? Uh, yeah. A lot of yeah. water, Iberian ham, and uh, fucking rotisserie chicken. But that that Costco chicken that is not underrated because people nah, love that shit. People right? know it's so good. Anybody work Holy at Costco, fuck. they can let us in on like is is there is there a TikTok video yet where someone shows you how they make that shit? I don't they they have a lot of stickers on it about how it is not full of hormones for something that is clearly has to be full of hormones. <laughs> like yeah. I it's actually less unnerving to imagine it's full of hormones than imagining right. than it they, not. Yeah, because yeah. it's too big. 
right, right. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> Chicken should not be that size. Yeah. So I don't know. But it, oh God, it was so good. Yeah. And just like, you know, doing that thing where you're like, I'll just, you know, I'm just going to, it smells so good in the car. I'm just going to pick a little bit off. And then like Next two minutes know. later, I'm like driving with my wrists, right. like, <laughs> trying to get home because my hands are so greasy. Like a little kid in another car is like, Mom, yeah. that man's eating a football. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it it's really, just a middle torso. I really, I really went buck wild in a Costco chicken. It is the best. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah so they're good. so good. The salt, oh. you know, that's the answer. Yeah. Almost, it's just, it's seasoned properly. Like, it's just so seasoned. There's, yeah. You don't have a dull bite. You probably have your, it'll preserve your mouth, though. So, yeah. Oh, so good. Anyway, they're so salt. good at getting, deals. The getting my salt from Costco. $5 chicken. There was just a story that was almost definitely seeded by Costco, but someone in, who, who's like high up in the organization threatened to kill someone else if they raised they, the prices yeah. on the hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I think that was the CEO. He raised the hot dog prices. I'll kill you. <laughs> Figure it out. Which, uh, you know. Steve Jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Make it work. Yeah. Make it work, but for that hot dog. <laughs> but for the hot <laughs> dog, keep the price. We'll make it work. I'll find somebody that can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's me. All right. So shout <laughs> out to Costco, uh, Better Help, man. Dyson Vacuum. Dyson. Yeah. yeah. And this mean, mean dogs. Yeah. Are. are they chilling together? Oh, look. Oh, yeah. Because they, oh, yeah. they're homies. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. cute. Mm-hmm. You can see him. Oh, I'll, well, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure the the photo I send for this episode includes the Chihuahua. Oh, good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, mm-hmm. let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, yesterday, vaccine patents started uh, making the rounds again because Joseph Robinette Biden and some members of the EU started to come around on this idea of waiving the uh, vaccine patents. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So we just wanted to kind of talk through the issue and why we should really uh be concerned for Pfizer and other big pharma companies Absolutely. because they're we're worried about them we're worried yeah. about them guys yeah the problem um, so overall the issue that we're trying to address is that richer countries have received 87% of covid vaccines while low income countries have gotten just 0.2% as of earlier this week um, half have gone to the richest 16% of the world's population, which means that nations in the global south may not reach widespread vaccination until 2023. And well, what's the problem? What's the problem? You, know, yeah. you can't afford the vaccines. They're 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 for sale. Yeah. Buy some. Yeah, absolutely. The The problem is supply, Miles, to answer mm. your question. Mm. Like we could ramp up production of effective vaccines around the world if the companies who developed those vaccines would allow their tech to be shared. And that's something they're not willing to do because they're right. like, we invested this money. It would be a bad investment in this one specific case if we let the patent be shared. Uh, for because the global it would, pandemic. Yeah, because it would set a precedent for future like once in a century global pandemics. Yeah, that's fine. We want to set that precedent, you fucking monsters. But yeah, so it's just it's pretty open and shut like they have a bunch of objections uh, on the capitalist side. And like when uh, anytime you read an article about this from like Reuters, where they're interviewing investment bankers on this, 
or they have all sorts of objections like, well, it's actually not the fact that the uh, vaccine hasn't been shared or that the uh, patents haven't been lifted. It's actually like these countries don't have enough vaccine factories or like they're not up to the task. And Which so, is a lie for lie. India. India is one of the the primary manufacturers of the vaccine. Right. It's just that yeah. they're yeah. shipping them out to other countries. But it's a, this is always, I mean, there are so many people, anytime you're advocating to do something unprofitable, there are millions of people who have been educated, uh, you know, beyond uh, any point of necessity to cat brained. Yeah. Just to come up with come up with excuses to yeah. of why not to do stuff where they don't even know what they're saying. Yeah, they don't know what they're saying. They probably believe what they're saying, you know, and Bill Gates, for instance, uh, talk about somebody who can like talk themselves into anything has been a key driver of the the claim that this wouldn't help, that uh, lifting the patents wouldn't help. It's just total bullshit. It's wild because, I mean, this is the thing that this is what gives me this is the one great thing that I mean, not the one great thing, but this is a very interesting development in this country that the president of the United States would go against the market, would go against big pharma and their right. wills to say, no, fuck your like, no, we need to let everybody make this fucking vaccine so we can get the world right. Like, what, what's the fucking deal here? Took a long time for them to begin to become supportive of this idea of waiving or how, of creating the uh, patent waivers. But I think it's it's pretty significant considering like that a United States president is going to do that. I think that should be sort of underscored. Because also it's funny when you saw the when the news broke, all the Moderna and Pfizer stock took his shit on Wall Street. Yeah. Like fell off a fucking cliff, which shows you how this whole fucking like these motherfuckers are saying, oh, what? They're about to be generous. Yeah. But We're then it stabilized because sure. uh, all those millions of uh, overeducated people had, you know, the talking points to be like, no, this isn't going to change anything. Nobody's going to be able to do this. Like they, they just kept on with that that same argument that this doesn't change anything that, you know, lifting the patents. It It's wild for me to see how the mainstream media has like kind of played into this. There's been a ton of reporting about how foreign like hackers are targeting vaccine data uh like who the fuck cares let everyone have the formula for a life-saving vaccine for fuck's sake but that's like headlines from bloomberg cyber attackers leaked covid-19 vaccine data after eu hack uh north korea accused of hacking pfizer for covid-19 vaccine data it's like dude, we should just give it to everybody what yeah. the fuck is wrong with you and J.M., our writer, pointed out that, like, back in the day, because uh, that was my first question, is like, well, how did uh, in the 1940s, like when the polio vaccine was created or whenever the fuck that was, uh, how, how how were they able to ramp that up so quickly and get that, you know, just distributed globally? And the vaccine nationalism wasn't around back then. You know, nationalism was kind of a big deal back in the early 20th century. But vaccine nationalism, not so much. Somebody asked Jonas Salk, like, what, who owns the patent on this vaccine? Uh, Jonas Salk said, the people. There is no patent. Could you patent the sun? So, yeah. Okay. 
you can patent this on, and I'm I'm trying to right now, asshole. I, I think Elon Musk is planning to do that <laughs> sketch on <laughs> SNL. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it's normalized patenting the sun. <laughs> it's really dis- depressing that people yeah. are so short sighted. Mm-hmm. The benefit of eradicating this virus far outweighs the profit that you could make from selling it. Yeah, if you can if you can turn the world back on and get everybody back to just consuming, then you're going to make billions of dollars anyway. And all of these pharma companies are going to be able to create their own booster shots and they're going to be vaccinating people till the end of time. It's not like there's money to be lost. It's just less, slightly less money than you're already going to make. And I want to make this point very clear that other than I believe Pfizer, all of these companies took government subsidies in order to pro- produce these vaccines, in order yeah. to develop them and then ramp them up for production through Operation Warp Speed. Moderna is based on a like com- combined uh, modified RNA study by the National Institute of Health to the point that their name is Modified RNA, Mata RNA, Moderna, mm. is, is what they name themselves after. From this one discovery made by publicly funded research, they were like, oh, shit, that's a good idea. We're going to jump on that. We're going to make billions of dollars off of it. And then they're going to tell us to go fuck ourselves when it's time for them to help the world. Uh, yeah, that that's a one of the most hugely underrated uh, like stories in America is how much, you know, the Internet was invented by taxpayer funded programs and shit like that right. but well because i mean even though pfizer didn't take united states government money biontech took german government funding like right and almost in like close to like half a billion dollars yeah so regardless like all of these are made through public funding and yep. so regardless like because even when you look at the the projections of the money that these companies stand to make They've already made more than they did last year in this first quarter off vaccines. Yeah, yeah. but they spent that money already, Miles. There's a yeah, and they can there's eat just shit. a whole fucking armada <laughs> of yachts that has taken <laughs> no, for real, exactly. Uh, but so. that's I think what's so poisonous about this, and I think it, it's so odd if the more people I don't know, like especially the media can't just report on the absurdity of how this system is working. Where even like you're saying, Dave, you need consumers to keep your capitalist machine going. Because yeah. if people are too sick, they can't buy your stupid products. So yep. it behooves you to have healthy consumers, just even in the cynical logic of capitalism or consumer capitalism, have healthy consumers with expendable incomes or enough money to give away to back to you. But you're still like, well, hold on. What's going to make more money? If everyone fuck, if I fuck over the recovery to make a little more money on this side, it's just. Yeah. Imagine if we had to go back into lockdown in a year. Yeah. Is that going to be good for the economy? No, that's going to be terrible for everyone. So right. the sooner we get this over with, truly, or at least manageable, because we'll probably never be over with it. Uh, it's always going to be a thing because there are enough people refusing to get vaccinated that the virus will circulate through the population till mm. <laughs> we're all dead. At least get it under control so people can go back to living their lives and going on stupid vacations and buying toys at Disneyland and all that junk. Yeah, let's just do that. But there is such a an obsession in this country with intellectual property 
Mm-hmm. Intellectual property matters more than human beings now. Yeah. Like if you own intellectual property, you own the ability to use it and exploit it forever. And that's why, you know, nothing, <laughs> no movie character uh, or book ever goes into public domain anymore. Like when Great Gatsby went into public domain, I was shocked. But yeah, if, right. Mickey Mouse will never go into public domain ever. Right. Well, oh, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Not if you listen to the lobbyists at the fucking MPAA, like they have they have people pushing. They have fucking people pushing against this right now because they're like, well, this could this is this could be too broad and this right. could have implications in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you that's, talking about? That's what, that's what people in Hollywood right side, always say. Well, how will this affect us? How will this affect Hollywood? <sighs> don't worry, you fucking idiot. Just. If you want to eat. see the power of intellectual property law in this country, uh, just look at how many Pinocchio movies there are every year and mm-hmm. uh, how many Robin Hood movies there are currently in production. Like the two open source characters that are like, we're going to want a green light about 45 of those for this calendar year. Hollywood's so dumb. They're like, all right, so I guess if, wait, that Moderna, that's uh, that's just public domain. All right, can we, can we turn that into a film? Is there any way to exploit <laughs> that? Okay, let's, we'll talk about it. All right, let's talk about herd immunity because <laughs> speaking of it's bad. <laughs> we had talked to a few weeks back about how we were like, you know, it, it was at peak. Everyone's getting their vaccines. We have enough vaccines. They're getting into people's arms. Uh, and now things have slowed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like that, I, the concept of herd immunity was like the light at the end of the tunnel in the beginning of the lockdown is like, obviously, like we're going to eliminate this 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 virus through herd immunity and once we have the vaccines this is how we will go back to normal but things have just changed so rapidly that it doesn't even like so in the beginning the threshold for herd immunity was estimated to be 60 to 70 percent that was even like fauci saying that Mm -hmm. and like you know what yeah that seems doable once we get all the vaccines out there and things like that but as the vaccines are being like developed and things like that the, the the estimations began to change because the first estimations were based on the first sort of original ver- form of the virus and what we knew about it and what those transmission rates look like. But now that B117 is the like predominant variant in the United States, that's ch- and it's more transmissible. That's now moved our herd immunity threshold to be at least 80 percent. So 80 percent of the country needs to be vaccinated. For us to have any semblance of herd immunity. Uh, and if you look at the latest numbers, you're looking at about a third of Americans that are anti-vax right now when it comes mm-hmm. to the COVID vaccine. So how you get to how you get to 80 if you got thir- at least 30 percent saying fuck no. They think some of that will change over time, but it's because of that and all of the misinformation, we're looking at a very difficult way of trying to tackle this, which now just seems like inoculating the most at risk so we're not like flooding the hospitals with those people right. yeah but it's definitely not going to be herd immunity you're saying that yeah. they're expecting the third of america being anti-vaxxers to change or they're expecting that 80 percent needing to be vaccinated that change? that third isn't necessarily nailed on like it could shrink a bit as more right. people realize like okay like fuck it i'll get it but yeah. it's hard because there's also another poll that came out that a lot of the attitudes of people who don't want to be vaccinated is because a they don't a they don't take the vi- the virus seriously, but also b they are like, well, all the other herbs are getting vaccinated, so I'm good. I'll just coast off of them getting yeah. vaccinated. 
But assholes, guess what? If we're not at the herd immunity, like there's there's no there's no uh, people to draft off of uh, in your pursuit of not getting vaccinated because we're not going to that's not going to be the way we're going to be safe. So the it's it actually at this point. Yeah. People need to be vaccinated. Even that argument, because a lot of anti-vaxxers, when it even comes to child vaccines, are like, well, through the herd immunity, I know my child isn't going to get these illnesses because of herd immunity. That mm-hmm. logic doesn't apply if we can't achieve any kind of herd immunity here anyway. So it's a bit of a yeah. bit of a weird fucking feedback loop that we're in um, while, you know, we're, we got, you know, we're clearly seeing the vaccination numbers starting to, to like yeah. fall off a cliff a bit. Well, and then beyond that, it's like by hoarding the vaccines in America, which now mm-hmm. I, I would guess now some of those are just going uh, vaccines and vaccine patents. It's like, yeah, I guess the other thing that's going to definitely guarantee this is uh, even if you're a complete sociopath who doesn't care about other people, you can still think of India as just a vaccine population that, or sorry, a, a COVID like variant mm-hmm. generator. Yeah, like right. this year number how, of people. Yeah, like the, the yeah. mutations are inevitable. Yeah, it's just at that it's point. just numbers. Yeah, so I guess we just live with this forever or well, die with it forever. They're all just saying, you know, the what we can hope for, according to these experts, is like if we can get the vaccinations up, that coronavirus is just going to become something that's seasonal that yeah. affects mostly the young and healthy. But like yeah. that's about it. Otherwise, it's either going to be you die off because unfortunately you were vaccinated or whatever, for whatever reason. Right. Well, I don't know. So it's, it's not a, ultimately though, all the experts are saying we still have to get vaccinated just because we can't reach hurting. you doesn't mean the vaccinations are moot at this point. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely need to ensure your, your own health through vaccination. Uh, yeah. And don't think that these other ways that you could get around it are actually valid because if aren't going to have enough people vaccinated, it's yeah. One and being one less vector. Right. Like, right. That's the real thing. It's like, are yeah, there you might be fine. marketing campaigns? Because I know I they're like conspicuously marketing campaigns aimed at like black people and, you know, elderly people. Are there Republicans? We talked about the GOP doctors. who Right. But that, that is that really ad. all we're dealing with? Is that one like shitty viral video that I for them? Yeah, seems like it. I mean, there have been a right. lot of I, I've been reading a lot. There have been pastors um, who like in the South, like Bible Belt area, who are trying to get their congregants to get vaccinated. That's there are a, people trying to, but I don't know. I think only, in, yeah. the thing that they talk about in this Times piece, though, is that at the very least, people need to be. It seems like the way people their attitudes change if they're around others who aren't talking anti-vax bullshit have gotten the vaccine or like, yeah, what do you, what's wrong? Like, it's fine. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal. Versus if you're in a an environment where it's a hot take to bring up the vaccine or whatever, it like the, the chance of you getting it like just exponentially go down. Right. So that's the one hope is to like talk to your friends about. Yeah, being... it's the it's the peer group. Yeah, right. That like, yeah. And yeah, I was um, I mean, this isn't like white conservatives, but like like when I got my vaccines and, and I volunteered at a va- vaccine distribution, I knew this, but I kind of hadn't really processed that like so many in Southern California, but kind of a certain generation. So many nurses are Filipino mm-hmm. and but they also are like very Catholic and very conservative. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was truly just like I wasn't 
I was trying to get a gauge from some Filipino friends. Like, are your super conservative parents getting this shit? And it was like, definitely some people's parents weren't. And I was like, right. Right. this is an odd, odd juxtaposition of populations to me. Yeah. And I think that's what also makes just this, the herd immunity so difficult because of just the geography of the United States and just how different neighborhood to neighborhood can be. Because when things like sanitation and income can determine what levels of hurt, like who needs to be, or like what levels need to be vaccinated, that shit can change within like a mile. So it's not, it's yeah. even harder to think like it's this one blanket sort of prescription. Although really yeah. the, the prescription is just to get your ass vaccinated. Right, but the, from yeah, there, the, prescription the data is so is the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, the Pope shit. told Catholics to get the vaccination. That should, that, that one should be easy. And the Pope also, sometimes tells them that the death penalty is wrong and that yeah. hasn't changed american Doesn't catholics very much. much yeah so yeah he's selective probably not pope. talking to god on that one yeah yeah which is so funny though because like when you're around like catholics really fuck with the pope like if you joke oh, about that shit they're not having it no so but i'm like <laughs> but, well hold on man you can't have that energy because i made a pope joke but then you're like selectively being like, I don't I don't agree with him on that shit about gay people. Like, well, hold on. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And let's talk about uh, some lighter stuff uh, such lighter as than these jokey kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the the picture of the Bidens with the Carters? Yes. <laughs> right, right. Looking like actual human giants next to the Carters. It was my fa- it's my favorite photo uh right now. Like the Carter I don't know whether to be terrified of the Bidens or like really you know worried about the fact that the Carters are deflating. Yeah, I, the jokes were pretty funny that were coming out but i mean clearly a lot of lens distortion but it's nice to see because i remember looking at him like hold on so they got custom built tiny chairs because <laughs> i'm like based on how joe is stacking up he can't fit in that chair i think this is this a tiny room they had made but you're like mm, it's a wide angle yeah it's yeah so i i did like a bunch of research on not a bunch <laughs> like 20 minutes of research on uh just how how this happens and finding like pictures that were taken with a wide angle versus a you know regular angle and like the person looks completely different like they look like a different person oh right right yeah sort of distorting yeah your features and shit yeah like if if you're up close to something with a wide angle like you'll look like a completely different person than you normally look like it's yeah uh, pretty wild they were so little um, though i mean just, just tiny. <laughs> it, right. yeah it makes me mad that they aren't that little i know like i like to think like you just you just shrink into a little fun person you right. know when you're out As of you office age. you do shrink yeah. a little bit yeah you definitely shrink for sure but like it this looked like you know tolkien type shit yeah it so, did i kind of want to see the carters with uh jay-z the the other carters jay-z and beyonce yeah. and the kids i want to see the mm. carters and the carters all the carters yeah, i want to yeah. see the, i want to see all of them with different families you know but family matter family. switch it up switch it up so jay and beyonce are the tiny ones, <laughs> and june and jimmy are like just towering over them like hey 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. I love Jimmy Carter, though, man. Dude sold his peanut farm to become president. Yeah. Yeah. Look at him. And he put uh, solar panels on the fucking White House. He yeah. did. And he's had. Yeah. And then Reagan know. took him right down. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know. You know, good old Ron. Ron was like, yeah, this is going to mess up this. my satellite for my TV shows. <laughs> it's like, how am I going to get the latest track or crack statistics? Get <laughs> <laughs> the shit on my roof. Crack statistics. <laughs> <laughs> got the crack ticker in the Oval Office. Jesus mm. Christ. Oh, Ron. Man, it's, it's wild that, like, they get credit as being, like, more down to earth than Jimmy Carter because Jimmy Carter let people, like, smoke weed on the roof of the White House. But Nancy Reagan was consulting a, uh, like, psychic, basically, an astrologer yeah. for uh, her What was her thing? She, like, policy. chewed her food a hundred times before she'd swallow it or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Has time to eat like well, that. her mom would chew it a hundred times before dropping it into her mouth. Oh, but she's a little bird. Yeah, yeah. Have y'all she's seen the picture bird. of Nancy Reagan with Mr. T? I think Nancy Reagan sitting on Mr. T's lap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the best picture. One of the greats the captures a moment in time. Oh, so that, uh, funny. Will All never that, be that recreated. Any celebrity who came to that White House, every photo looks surreal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even like that Patrick Ewing one. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're yeah, just like, Patrick Ewing and John Thompson here. The 80s were a wild, yeah. bad, but very uh, fun to look at era. Let's talk about MDMA. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we've talked in the past about how therapists who treat PTSD are like very encouraged by early trials of MDMA uh, when paired with you know, actual therapy. So they finally got this sort of major groundbreaking study, uh, double blind, you know, had a significant number of people and they found that two months after treatment, 67% of participants in uh, the MDMA group no longer qualified for a diagnosis of PTSD compared with 32% in the placebo group. So the placebo group got placebos, but then they also did the uh, therapy. So uh, this guy, Gold Dolan, who's a neuroscientist at Johns Hopkins, who has has like no involvement is just like from an outside perspective, this is about as exciting as clinical trials get. There's nothing like this in clinical trial results for neuropsychiatric disease. So, uh, yeah, it's just super encouraging. I also, I feel like this is something that should be a movement over the course of like this entire next like generation of humans that like, there, there's a reason people were risking their lives and, uh, you know, their freedom to mm-hmm. self-medicate with these drugs. It's like they, there's a, there's something useful, and if you use them in a very controlled environment, like it's, it's going to be powerful. Like if you just take seriously the experience of drug users who say actually like psychedelics gave me a really positive shift in like my mental spiritual life like that like if you think about like if any of the other you know if like Paxil or like one of the Prozac Mm -hmm. was taken off the market tomorrow there wouldn't be like a booming Paxil or Prozac market uh, where like people are smuggling those drugs because they're just not like I, I think that combining the market uh, instincts of just like people 
and like the black market with what we're able to find uh, through like clinical trials, I feel like could be could be a big deal. Could be really useful yeah. to science. Totally. I think the the thing that makes it really psychedelics advantageous in sort of a therapeutic context is that like you know like when you're you're partying on them you feel is this like openness you know that's why people enjoy that because it it allows you to sort of experience your yourself in a way that is completely uninhibited like you you might normally be if you're not taking psychedelics but on, on a very small level it's that openness that helps along with the therapy to really examine shit to get through it because we have so many walls up and trauma causes all these fucked up ways we try and protect ourselves that it's more like let's melt those walls down so we can fucking get like really to some healing um and i yeah it's true i think the next few years are really pivotal because it's almost like we need to start also we need to have more of a i mean there's clearly a movement to move away from just like drugs that are just going to mask things and actually trying to figure out how we can improve things for someone uh, rather than to just make things bearable. And I think this is a really important step. And for years, a lot of people have been pointing to this year. They felt like 2021 could be the year where we're going to finally start getting some like legal MDMA to start using in these therapeutic settings. Yeah. And I mean, all, all you read and hear are just like really interesting stories of how much it's helped people and yeah, who'd have, who'd have thought that it would work better than the ones that are just meant to sort of numb you? Yeah, it's deep. Yeah, they, uh, this one person's experience, I always find like descriptions of psychedelic experiences kind of mind blowing because they reveal the power of the mind. Like this person <laughs> describes their experience in the therapeutic setting. And it's basically like this drug gives him access to, a part of his mind that just creates this like beautiful surrealist work of art that his brain was just producing in the background in order to allow him to heal himself. Like, so it's talking about this guy, Ostrom, who was in Iraq. Uh, his days were punctuated by panic attacks. He had nightmares, like really vivid nightmares about like being stuck in a town, like cut off from his troop and like being, followed around by insurgents the bullets like instead of firing out of his gun would like dribble out of his gun um and so he like dropped out of college pushed friends and family away got into an unhealthy uh relationship was charged with assault and attempted suicide so then he does this uh therapy and they describe his sessions he now says he's literally a different person uh during his first of three sessions in early 2019, lying on a couch with eye shades and in a lucid dreamlike state, Mr. Ostrom encountered a spinning, oily black ball. Like an onion, the ball had many layers, each one a memory. At the center, Mr. Ostrom relived the moment in Iraq. He said that I became the person I needed to be to survive that combat deployment. Over the next two sessions, Mr. Ostrom engaged with quote, the bully, as he calls his PTSD, alter ego, and ask permission for Scott to return. That was who he was before the the war. Uh, now he works steadily as an HVAC specialist, owns a home, which he shares with his girlfriend, has a service dog. Um, and he says, the reason I like calling this medicine is it stimulated my own consciousness's, consci- is that right? consciousness's yeah. ability for self-healing. Uh, you understand why it's okay to experience unconditional love for yourself like that. Uh, 
for that passage really gets it like what i find so promising is like mm-hmm. the thing that the thing that uh gets in the way of our you know psychiatric uh progress is like that the mind is this massive powerful constantly shifting uh just more complicated than we could even possibly like conceive of thing that we mostly don't have access to like with our conscious mind and like the fact that this just gives you access to this thing that's so much more powerful than uh you can you can imagine as opposed to like you were saying miles as opposed to like numbing one part of that thing or you know uh separating us from the effects of that thing like i i feel like that is kind of Again, it could be like a sea change in. Yeah, because I think it's like almost undoing all of this shit that we have societally that creates that puts us in the condition we're in currently. Yeah. And it and depending on if the environments you grew up in and your experiences were traumatic and things like that, that on top of all of this can create a situation where it becomes can become nearly impossible to have a level of self-examination or awareness because you've had to build up so many layers to survive and just prolong your experience even no matter how tormented it is that you sort of need this to like again this idea that experiencing unconditional love for yourself i think sounds foreign to most people well at least in america like a lot of people maybe on a you know pinterest way no loving yourself but in a very truly holistic idea of like what that means to engage in you know, practicing unconditional love for yourself, to treat yourself with kindness, to be aware that there is a relationship between you and yourself that you have to enrich. Uh, I think, yeah, it's just yeah. one of those things that you can like feel vibrationally uh, in those moments. Yeah, just reading the, and you know, Silas Iben has been used for people who are about to die, like they get to uh, right. have these uh, clinical experiences where they encounter that and i don't know it just makes me wonder like why we wait to give people a fear of death curing like circumspection pill until they're about to die like what if our teachers and police and leaders and you know all had the opportunity to view the world with that wider lens maybe we wouldn't have as many soldiers coming home from wars with ptsd in the first place right yeah to consider what it means to be human Right. Uh, yeah well and then but like then you'll have people like elon musk like yeah i microdose all the time <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. really fucking trippy right and, that, i don't know why he became snake from the simpsons but <laughs> uh like <laughs> there's an but i think th- there is like to to pair it with like the the desire to improve yourself and and having someone there to help you with that professionally I think it's like, man, I, yeah, again, I hope this will become the oh. norm because we, so much of our medicine and things like that is just to get people to like zero yeah. or like yeah. neutral, never to go past that or, you know, just to make things bearable, like rather than how can we actually help everyone move, push past certain things and actually enrich themselves. Ooh. That's so funny. Shout that, out to uh, the tech industry. Yeah. Shout right? out to mushrooms. But, yeah. It's funny that the tech industry is using this tool for like greater human understanding and like circumspection to like, uh, it makes me better at capitalism, dude. Yeah, just like, exactly. makes me, <laughs> I'm like so much like just on it, you know, in the <laughs> no. pocket, ready to go. 
just thinking outside like, the box on how to exploit all this intellectual property. You know what I mean? Of course they it's are. Like, though. Fuck, man. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. So I came up with NFTs. Yeah. Oh, that's totally. Right. NFTs is totally <laughs> mushrooms, though. That's totally just. Yeah, that's some mushroom trip. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I got something. I got something. I got something. <laughs> like, oh, right. fuck. Get it away from these people. Oh, no. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He. He needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.